warning. We are about to spoil, we need to talk about Kevin. If you haven't seen the movie and plan on watching it, leave now and come back later. If you have seen it, or you just don't care, please stick around. Do we have, do we even want to do an opening joke? I it's like, like we live in America. It might be a bit bad taste. It might be, maybe. Uh, that's what I'm trying to even decide here. Um, this one's kind of so heavy. We shouldn't. Yeah. But throwing this conversation is a, a, a somewhat of an opening joke, and you, then the intro will play. You can do that. Okay. I sure hope it doesn't interrupt. It won't. everybody and welcome to cinema roulette i'm surprised you can sound happy while doing i know (laughs) jesus christ audience this this is a doozy okay so we gave a spoiler warning the major spoiler we have to kind of say at the beginning because it is a massive trigger warning yes so so if you don't want spoiled like we said leave now yeah if you really do want to see this movie I do think it's good. Leave now. Um, this movie covers the topic of a school shooting. That's it. It's that level of intensity. Somewhat abusive parenting as well is thrown in there. Abusive parenting, bad family relationships, shit like that. Neglect. There's a lot of just terrible things going on. And child murder as well. Oh, yeah. Well, school shooting kind of implies that. Yeah. So, if any of those things are are off your plate, I understand. See you next time, hopefully. Yeah. Sorry for the very intense movie. Yeah. So, um, this is the first one we've seen from Lynn Ramsey, um, the Scottish director. And um, Jesus Christ. Ah, that's an introduction. And this will also be a little bit of a break from format because it's really, really hard to do a synopsis for this film. We should probably say the title first. We need to talk about Kevin. We also need to talk about that silence we just had. Yeah. Of beatness that I'm going to lose very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a break from format because it's a little hard to give a synopsis without really capturing what the movie does. Yeah, it. if you think uh, Pulp Fiction is out of order, oh boy. Oh, we got a surprise. Has Miss Ramsey got a surprise for you? Yeah. Jeez. Time is kind of irrelevant in this movie. It does. It quickly becomes irrelevant and hard to follow. Yeah, because it jumps back and forth very rapidly between the past and the present. Yeah. I mean, it does kind of slow down after the first act. Yeah, that first you... that first act is a bit of whiplash, like back forth, mm-hmm. back forth, back forth, where you're very much trying to add up what's going on. I think the end point of Act One is finding out Kevin is in prison. Yeah, that's where it does kind of take a backseat and then show more of the past and then how it kind of leads up to the eventual uh, <laughs> finale. Yeah, if ain't. The best summary I can have is... Oh, I had the... 
forgot to bring the notes up with the names. Shit. Good job. Didn't think I needed notes. Ava is the main character. Eva. Eva, you're right. I just forgot the dad's name. The, the daughter's name kind of doesn't matter. I wonder what the son's name is, though. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Franklin. Franklin, okay. Uh, Eva and Franklin, pe- two people who met, they got married, had, had a kid. Kid sucked. Name was Kevin. And just saying he sucked is kind of an understatement. He literally just had out for his mother and would do anything to piss her off. Yeah, straight up a sociopath from when he was a little kid. Yeah. So. Literally just did anything to drive her mad. Yep. The only time he listened to her is after she broke his arm out of anger. Yeah. And later on in life, they had a daughter. Kevin immediately hated her too. Eventually killing her guinea pig. And also um, causing, causing drain cleaner to pour on her eye, making her lose one. The daughter, not yeah, Tilda Swift. The dark. Frank, uh, Franklin throughout was is a very distant father and not very much involved, and yeah. often took Kevin's side. He was very much a deadbeat dad and was completely, you know, he completely blind to what he was actually doing. Mm-hmm. And the only time Kevin really showed any closeness to his mother was when. When reading a book about shooting a bow and arrow. I think it was literally Robin Hood. Was it Robin Hood? Pretty sure. How, did Robin Hood kill that many people? No. Okay, then it might not have been Robin. <laughs> I don't remember Robin Hood having blue demons either. Well, it says when Kevin is confined to bed with a fever, Ava reads him Robin Hood when Robin Cab competes in Prince John's archery contest. When the fuck does Robin Hood fight blue demons? I don't think he fights blue demons. I think that was like a metaphor, like like a blue demon or something. Oh, so. okay. She does kind of whisper in that scene. Yeah. I apologize. And then Kevin gets into bows and arrows. And he, as he grows up, he gets more and more into using actual bows and arrows. Finally, saying something up for school, he locks up all the doors before a prep rally and shoots up the school. Yeah, because his excuse for the locks is like, oh, I found them for cheap online. I'm just going to resell them all to make money or something. Yeah. But no, it's literally to trap everyone in there and just... Open fire. And afterwards, he also killed his father, little sister. Mother was the only one left alive. Mm -hmm. And the two years he's in... Well, I think we only see the first year he's in prison. The movie ends with him on his second year of actually being in prison. And we see, too, that because he's killed kids, he got, like, beat up and shit. Yeah, or he's starring fights in prison. It's never said why. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everyone in town, like... looks at uh eva with a very evil well a very mean glare because well, her son shot the school and caused the deaths of a lot of parents a lot well which, a lot of parents kids a lot of parents kids who probably since this small town all know each other mm-hmm. so yeah i would have moved out like, i would have too like honestly and that's that's a discussion we could probably get into when you're done with the synopsis but yeah, I know we said we weren't going to, but yeah. this is the best way to kind of keep at least some content. Mm-hmm. Some context. Because I mean. we'd feel bad just completely skipping what it's all about. I mean, it's a movie you should kind of see, if you can handle it. Yeah. But yeah, we, we literally in the beginning see someone straight up punch her in the face. Like one of the women just decks her. Mm-hmm. 
or they smash up her groceries if they see her. Yep. Uh, at an office party, one of her coworkers comes up and tells her, "You really want to act with such a stick up your ass? No one will love you after what you did." <laughs> yeah, and I think he calls her a bitch too. Yeah. So like, my a stuck up bitch. Yeah, man. stuck. Up, oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit! I'm honestly confused on how the movie because it's two years later and she finally gets to talking to Kevin, mm-hmm. and he says he doesn't even remember really why he did it. Because before she was just kind of, they were just kind of sitting there looking at each other. They wouldn't even look at each other yeah. most of the time. But that was the first time they actually talked. So, and then she hugs him and then walks out. And walks yeah. out into blinding white light. Yeah. This might just be the very uh, American movie thought process, or um, just my my own love for revenge movies mm. I was really hoping she'd like poison him or just head by him or something because he Same. fucking deserved it honestly this kid deserved to be like slapped in the face or ugh like he's just irredeemable <laughs> he really is and both the kid actor and Ezra Miller get great, great props oh uh, there were two kid actors were there? yep oh one for the really little kid really and then... little and then um uh, yeah like five to ten year old no not five to ten Eight to ten year old. Yeah, that's right. There were, and then Ezra Miller was the adult, or I guess teenage. Yeah, Kevin. But they all do a fantastic job in the role, especially the kid actor. He plays a little brat. Really oh, well. they're all fucking like, scumbags. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> it's just interesting because the first time I saw Ezra Miller was as the Flash, as a superhero, and now he's a fucking you know pe- school shooter, irredeemable piece of shit. So he has um, range. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck. Just like hard cut after I say fuck. <laughs> I was looking at camera with the biggest smug smile. <laughs> I'm sorry we're making light of this. It's just a, my coping mechanism is humor. <laughs> I did not even mean to do that. I did not even mean to do that. You did it, Brain. Mm, thanks, Brain. <sighs> Shit. But, um, yeah, that... Fuck me. We... Anyway. Are you saying we should get to the point? Yes. We need to stop. We're terrible people. My God. It's not Um, actual dead kids. You're right. It's fiction... It's fictionalized dead children. That just makes it better. Exactly. Um, but... Yeah, and that that is something that was interesting because, you know, a lot of times during, like, a school show, if it's, like, a family member that goes crazy and kills people, like, you know, a lot of that hate and anger falls back on the family. Mm-hmm. And that r- happens a ton in real life, and most of the time it's completely uncalled for. Yeah, like, like I honestly, I would understand the town kind of hating the mother if she's the only one that raised Kevin. Yes. But... Kevin also killed her little daughter and husband. Yeah, honestly. And I think, like, a lot of that, this pro- there's probably a psychological term for it. I don't know what it is. But, yeah, they were just, like, it, since she's the only really survivor, they're just taking their anger out all on her entirely. Mm-hmm. Like, it's her fault for raising such a monster and stuff like that. And that's just not fair in a lot of cases. Like, people, when shit like that happens, don't even realize that how the turmoil that the families go through. Yeah. Like, and that that was just something interesting that was addressed in the film. And I like that at the beginning, the kind of mystery to it. Like, why is everyone just glaring at her? Like, everyone was, like, turning and looking at her. Like, the guy mowing his lawn was just like... 
Like, he didn't even want to wave hi type deal. Yeah, like, she waved hi to him, and he just kind of, like, reluctantly went, eh. Well, so that synopsis I said, take that and put it in a blender and then lay yeah. it out. That's how it was told. Yeah, and it's really brilliant, too, how it's told out of order as well. I really liked that. Yeah, it still so, worked. It still worked. Like, the build-up and everything, and as the mystery slowly un, 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 unraveled. I don't know why I kept wanting to say unveiled. Unraveled. Unveiled works. Like, that works, too. As the mystery slowly unveiled, you do kind of put two and two together. Like, it's not obvious at first what's happening. But You could figure it out. It yeah. does show the school and what... You could at least imply Kevin hurt students. Yes. Yes. Like, because they keep coming back to Tilda Swinton running through the big crowd of people. Ambulances, bodies being carried out. But we don't actually see that it's arrows until the finale sticking mm-hmm. out the dead bodies. And Jesus is a graphic. Like, yeah. they even show the dead kid's body. Yeah, the like, little because si- the little sister's like seven. She's like seven, and it's yeah, they strip show her body riddled with arrows. I'm just like, well, it wasn't real. Well, it was one arrow, but Jesus. And at the beginning, uh, her house is also vandalized with red paint. I was kind of taking that as the symbol of she feels it's her fault and something she'll never be able to scrub away. Yep, and that probably was symbolism too. But yeah, I think the the explanation for as to why it was there is it was vandalized. Mm-hmm. So. There was also uh, a very clever um, color with the color palette. It's rather clever because it yeah. always uses the colors red, white, blue, and yellow, which are the colors of an arrow target. Which that's just clever. That's really clever foreshadowing. Like, yeah, that's what because you even mentioned at one point. Oh, that's oh, sorry, we're on the set of Suspiria again. Yeah, like there was this like this bright red room that they were fucking in. I think so. Well, it changed from red, yellow, and blue. Yeah. So does that mean they're the white? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And also, I could I was taking like the red and blue as like sirens in a couple scenes as well. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> but she always has like a yellow coat on or something. That's where it comes yeah. in. Yeah. Which God, that's clever. So yeah, that's really well done direction. Mm-hmm. And it does surprise me that it is so out of order, but it doesn't feel complicated. Yeah, like it jumps, like we said, especially in the first hour, it jumps back and forth quite often, but it never, like, you never get too disoriented. It's disorienting a bit, but you're never, like, completely lost. Yeah, mostly just pay attention to Swin's hair. Yeah, that's a good indicator as to where they're at. Still never really explained the Tomato Festival at the beginning. She used to trap. Remember when she's yelling at uh, Kevin? Mm-hmm. Wait, he's just really young. It's like, I would be in Paris right now if I wasn't dealing with you. Uh, she used to travel more, I think okay. that implies. And to uh, something I noticed on the wall as well as in the travel agency when she applied or whatever, mm-hmm. that country was the same country that held the Tomato Fest. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's a nice touch. Yeah. I'm just trying to think, because... This movie, I, I was worried when we went into it. I'm like, this is going to, after, or actually not when we went into it, after it ended, I'm like, this is going to be really hard to talk about. It is, because I'm trying to think of what angle it's going for. Yeah, like, is it just like a straight up psychological thriller where it's like we're in the mind of a killer or in the background of that? Or is there some deeper theme to it? Well, there is probably deeper theme. Yeah. Especially the way it's shot. But I mean more of if it is actually Swin, uh, Eva's fault type deal. Because mm-hmm. even though, you know, Kevin was a little shit, that's... <laughs> Literally at a couple points. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> he was being an asshole. But also, 
besides a few times, she isn't always the best mother either. And exactly. the father isn't helping either. No, exactly. Like, they clearly show that, like, kind of all of them are terrible people. It's just Kevin is, like, the worst of the terrible people. Yeah, and it comes to kind of the question of, is it actually her fault? Do, yeah. Especially with the red paint symbolism. Yeah, like, it's like, could they have raised him better? Or was there just nothing they could do about Kevin? Like, Yeah, because this movie doesn't try to cover, like, is it mental illness or something? No, this is... You just see the people. Yeah, like, they never actually straight up say Kevin has a mental illness or not, which I was happy about, so... Yeah. Like we said in the other episode, trying not to stigmatize certain mental health disorders, but... Like, they do kind of hint at it at one point. She's like, well, he doesn't do this, which means, like, it could be a sign of autism or something, but I think it's just he's a loner or whatever. He's like... Well, I kind of took that as he was just being quiet to fuck with her. That, too. Exactly. That's not within... That's exact... That's, uh... Not with... Eh? Someone implied. Uh I don't know what you're going for with your tongue twisted. That, sure, we'll go with that. Um, Having a bit of trouble wordsing at the moment. Forgive me. What? Nothing. Okay. Don't worry about it. Why? It was a pun. Uh, But... I'm trying to think here. Because I was about to segue into something. And my brain is breaking. Oh, there is a moment of commentary about the audience that I do really like. What's that? It's where she's seeing Kevin on TV. Mm-hmm. And you don't know if that's a dream or not. It's never even fully explained. But where he says, like, would anyone really be watching if I just got straight A's? Yeah, that was a really thought-provoking moment. Like, the, that one kind of made me smack and go, hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of just dangling in the audience's face. Like, oh, you're probably tense or you're worried about what this is. But you know you want it. You yeah. want whatever the fuck I did. Exactly. That's why there's all these like programs in the first place about you know killers and gang in the mind and stuff. It's because you guys love this shit. Maybe that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Sort of like like yeah okay. That's why we watch some movies, especially like psychological thrillers or all or dramas, is we get that. We see that violence or whatever, and we see the aftermath. Yeah. But you don't see the before. All the shit that happens beforehand. Like, some movies do hint on that, but yeah, you're right, a lot of times it is not, so. You don't see the turmoil of the family before all this goes down, because it's not like just someone wakes up one morning and goes, I'm going to kill people today. Yeah. It is very much like a buildup of shit, like, over time. Like, over a long period of time, stuff builds up, and eventually if some people, you know go crazy and do crazy shit like that it's scary so what it's like it really gets into like you know what drives a killer what makes a killer it's that whole question i think so yeah and also a question if it would have stopped if we just did stop and talk about kevin yes because the husband because franklin wants to ignore it yeah he, he's just like oh whatever the whole basically the whole time he's like oh uh, it goes like when he th- threw all the paint in the room he's like ah he said he was sorry he was trying to redecorate yeah where kevin literally throws her words back at her yep or uh when like the guinea pig gets killed he just ignores it yeah and, and kind of plays it up for laughs too he's like oh it's gone to heaven or whatever ha 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 i'm laughing along with it so. Yeah, it's just, if they did take the time to actually talk about what was going on and deal with it, would this have all happened? Exactly, and that's kind of the question, isn't it? That's, it's just, it's very thought-provoking, this movie, clearly. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Because, I mean, we need to talk about Kevin. We do. We need to talk about Kevin, so. <laughs> I guess that is the thing, too. Of it. There is no exact blame place. Yeah. Is it the absent father? Is it the mother who do- who could have tried harder? Is it just Kevin is a psychopath? Mm-hmm. Well, it's up to the viewer, I guess. Yeah. So, that's the thing. It leaves a lot of those questions completely ambiguous. So, <laughs> Or is it society? Is it society? <laughs> like Christ, uh, Christian Slater says, society. Heathers. If you haven't seen Heathers, go see a great movie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, this movie's just hard to talk about. And I feel like... It feels weird doing a first impression of it. It does. I don't know if I'm saying shit wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, we could be taking this completely the wrong way, but... Or a way the director didn't intend. Yeah. There's no wrong way to take art. There is a beholder and all that. Yeah, but you know, that's just kind of the wonderful thing about art in general, is that, like, it's it's very much up to... Like, you, you can interpret things in ways that, like, the uh, author or director or whatever didn't even intend. So. Yeah, like how people take Fahrenheit 451 as this big thing on censorship, and mm-hmm. the author has admitted multiple times he just hated TV and radio. I do love. I forget if it was the guy who did Fahrenheit 451 or uh, what was the other big one? The 1984. 1984 or something like that. But I, I I forget what which one it was. But one of those authors, like someone was telling them how it could be interpreted, and the and the author said like, no, that's not it. And then he said, yeah, it is, right to his fucking face. Oh yeah, that was four, Fahrenheit four fifty one. That was him. Okay, I thought so. <laughs> uh, I forget the uh not director. The, the writer. The yeah, the author's name. <laughs> Isn't he the same guy who did the one Halloween book? Gotta be more specific there. I forget the name of it, but anyway, <laughs> continue. Sorry. And with the movie, besides the story-wise stuff, technically, movies looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. The colors, <laughs> the colors really pop for s- such a dark story. Oh yeah, the cinematography is gorgeous in this movie. Uh, the soundtrack is really well done, and also the use of silence is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the soundtrack, when it's not being all ominous and stuff, apparently the original songs were composed by the, uh, one of the members of Radiohead. Really? Yeah. <laughs> huh. And uh, when it was not that, it was using like all these old like 40s and 50s songs. So, Huh. I just... Radiohead? Yeah, the guy from Radiohead, believe it or not. <laughs> That's an odd choice, but it worked. Right. <laughs> It did. He did a really good job. It was, uh... Yeah, I forget where I read that. Yeah, Johnny Greenwood of the band Radiohead composed the film score. Huh. Ray Bradbury. Was yeah, I thought that was one. his name. Yeah. Um, he, he did the Halloween book, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh, nice. That's what I was thinking, because I've read that book, so... <laughs> I read Fahrenheit 451, most of it. Nice. Is there a book I actually finished? Hold on. Is there a book you've actually finished? That's For what... school, uh, I think I did finish To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. And read 90% of, uh, not Grave of the King, Lord of the Flies. Oh, you read Lord of the Flies? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that was the least fucked up book I read in school. Just a quick side note, I do love that, how in high school they always make you read like the most fucked up shit. 
Oh, middle school was way worse. Was it? Yeah. I can go on a long yeah. tangent on that, but... I love how, like, you can't show certain movies in high school, or you have to show them that in. But books? Oh, you can show... They, they just make you read the most depressing fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, in eighth grade, I had to read Bridge to Terabithia. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was... I guess we will go on this tangent. That's fine. It's not padding. <laughs> I swear. Uh, there was one book, I forget the title, but the entire story is these two kids going to a national park to swim in a river. Mm-hmm. And one, and his friend fucking goes under a waterfall, hits his head, the water pushes him, he hits his head on a rock and drowns. Jesus. So the rest of the book is the kid running from the cops thinking he's going to be arrested for the murder of his best friend. <sighs> the kid was eight. God damn. And my... <laughs> I actually was very much someone who refused to read, and my mother read it to me, and she started crying because of how depressed the kid gets. It's always the most depressing books, and then they, and then they wonder why you know kids depression grow up rates with are dep- so high. In kids. Yeah, honestly, like fucking hell. Um, or there's Spirit Bear, where there's three chapters of the main character after he tries to fight a fucking bear. Yeah, uh, just sitting. <laughs> Vomiting, eating his own vomit, and bleeding out as he wonders if life ha- is worth it. Oh my god. But he also deserved it. Uh, and there was one I distinctly remember where we read a book about, like, where, like, the kid was really shitty to the uncle or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then he felt bad about it and then tried to apologize, but then the uncle just walked out or something. Oh. And the relationship was forever broken, and the kid realizes that he can never go back to the way it was. But yeah, so, uh, overall, not a fun movie. Well, there- there is still a bit more. Okay. The atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Thick. It's like a thick humidity. It, it is. It's uncomfortable. It's tense, and you can fucking taste it. Like, living in the Midwest especially, we can relate to that. Like. <laughs> I don't mean it in a literal sense. Just that's the way, how oppressive it feels. It yeah. feels like it's choking you with how tense the film is. It is. It's very tense. And yeah, like you said, just very atmospheric. It's so well done. Even when we do start calming down a bit and sticking with the family more. Mm-hmm. Just moments where Eva is talking to Franklin, you're still kind of tense, like something is so wrong. I'm just realizing, too, that um, Lynn Ramsey could probably direct a really good Silent Hill movie. Maybe. Like, if she got... She got, nailed that oppressive atmosphere. <laughs> Lynn Ramsey, Del Toro, work together. <sighs> that would be because Del Toro knows how to make monsters that symbolize oh, yeah. just everything. And he was going to actually do the monster design in Silent Hills, yeah? He was going he was helping with the story direction. The monster design was by the manga. Oh artist. yeah, the one who does like the really fucked up shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't think of his name. Yeah, that's gonna bug me. <laughs> but yeah, he has, he has like a lot of people wear the shirt now where it's like the face with a whole a uh, continuing spiral inward and you see the floating eyes. Oh, is that him? Yes. Oh, Okay. But yeah, the atmosphere here is really good. It'd also be nice if I didn't know the twist at the end because my brother is a cocksucker <laughs> where I was telling him what movies were on this wheel and I say, hey, uh, one of the movies is uh, Let's Talk, We Need to Talk About Kevin. He goes, oh, you mean the one about the school shooting? Yeah, Justin straight up got that spoiled to him by his brother. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. fuck you, Randy. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway. Junji Ito. Junji Ito, yes. So yeah, I think it's time to spin, huh? Uh, yeah, but this is... If you can handle this movie... Yeah. Even, 
I will say, even knowing the twist, the film is still super tense. Yes, it's still really good. So seeing however, even if you know the twist, seeing how everything plays out is still like <laughs> yeah. worth it. So. And also allows you to look more into the symbolism or the things that it shows before actually revealing the twist. Yes. So, yeah. Anyways, I'll start the recording of the screen. Okay, I don't know why we're talking like film cow all of a sudden. I don't either. Uh, this is the last minute of the director wheel before we go back to the sellout wheel. Sorry, <laughs> I hiccuped. You're fine. I did that a lot during the last episode, so... Yeah. So we'll see what we get to finish off after two very fun movies. <laughs> Please be something uplifting or fun or just not heavy. I'll take a Dario Argento movie. Just something. Spin. Oh. What we get? We got Throne of Blood. <laughs> okay. And then they watched Throne of Blood. And Justin didn't totally spin the wheel multiple times out of pure pettiness because he is already tired of Kurosawa movies, which Cameron put eight of on the wheel. And that won't be expanded upon at all in the final spin of the wheel when that eventually comes in like a year or two. <sighs> anyway, uh, see you next week with um, Death Parade. And then after that, we'll cover Throat of Blood, like I said, because I didn't pedally spin the wheel multiple times. And then decide later, fine, we'll fucking watch it just to get Kurosawa off the wheel a bit faster. Well, film nerds find this podcast, we are fucked. <laughs>Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cinema Roulette. If you want to interact with the show more, you can follow us on Twitter, at Roulette Cinema. If you wish to follow our hosts, Justin is at JKPancake on Twitter, and Cameron is at CameronPicksInc on Twitter. If you wish to watch a video version of the podcast, it can be found on the YouTube channel, CamCam. Thanks again to Teller's Place for making the base art for all of our thumbnails. And if you enjoyed the show... Please remember to subscribe or rate on whatever podcast app you use. 